glad in it on this first on this Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to the mothers on this Sunday. We thank God for you and bless you and join and encourage you and join us in worship as we want to join you to fellowship with us a little something like this. We want to take a Go ahead and walk with somebody.
church. Amen. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, near and far. Amen. The scripture reading this morning will come from Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Exodus chapter 3. If you're able to stand in the honor of God's word, you may do so. Exodus chapter 3, you're going to begin at verse 1, and it reads, One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals. For you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, 
for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the land of to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God has God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Amen. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Lord, our God, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. There is none like you, Heavenly Father. Father, we just come thanking you this morning, Heavenly Father, thanking you for uh, another day, Heavenly Father. Father, it's now the month of May, Heavenly Father. Today we celebrate mothers all across the land, all across the world, Heavenly Father. Father, we ask you to please touch mothers, Heavenly Father. Touch them and give them strength, Lord, for the sacrifices that they have made for their children, Heavenly Father. Father, continue to bless, Heavenly Father, the church, Heavenly Father, that you have set up, Heavenly Father. Please bless, Heavenly Father, from the front of the church all the way to the back and side to side. Touch minds, touch hearts. Touch bodies, Heavenly Father, for you know what we need even before we ask for it, Heavenly Father. Father, we ask you, Heavenly Father, please give ear to our cries. Please have mercy on us, your children, Heavenly Father. Father, please bless, Heavenly Father, all of our sick and all of our children. Just touch them right now in the mighty name of Jesus, Heavenly Father. Father, please bless, Heavenly Father, every song that will be sung and every prayer that will be prayed. Please bless the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going forth all across the land that it would change us from the inside out, Lord. Lord, help us not to be just hearers of your word, but doers of your holy word. Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we magnify you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, church.
and let him work it out. When I've done my best, I can leave the rest to him. I'm going to talk to somebody. And so I'm going to encourage us today, just as we encourage mothers on Mother's Day, when you do your best, let God do the rest. Our text today, we're finding out how God expresses himself to Moses. We talked about how the Lord provides last Sunday. Learning of the covenant of Abraham, when he was willing to sacrifice Isaac, God provided the ram in the bush. But now we look in our text, Exodus third chapter, verse 1, it says, One day Moses was tending the flock for his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai the mountain of God. Let me highlight you here in this text. This text is written in history to us to understand what has happened. This mountain is not the mountain of God yet, but they know it as the mountain of God because of what has happened. What has happened on this mountain, what we are basically going to describe here in this third chapter of God showing up in a burning bush. But what I want to highlight here before we get to why it is the mountain of God and why Sinai is so special, notice clearly the temporal moment of introducing this text of this narrative of this story to let us know that on one day, why is this day different than any other day? But one thing we find out about on this day seems like an ordinary day that Moses goes out and tends for his sheep of his father-in-law. He's doing his daily routine. But one thing we understand that this is the third chapter of Exodus. What's happening in chapter one and chapter two in Exodus? Well, when we look back there, we find out that Israel is in Egypt. And if you are following along, Egypt is not where they are supposed to stay. That's not their final destination. What we find in Genesis 15, verse 13, the Lord said to Abram, you can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. Can I help you encourage somebody to know that God is omniscient? I am knows what you're going to go through. I am knows what you're going to go through before you even go through it. I am knows what you're going to go through before you even go through it, and he knows how he's going to bring you through I was at a few more witnesses here. God knew he could bring them out what he was going to let them face. I, I was at some words that would just shout right now. They're knowing that no matter what is ahead of me, it can be greater than the God. Verse 14 of that same chapter. Notice God does not leave a big gap in Genesis 15 chapter. He says, but I will punish the nation that enslaves them. And in the end, they will come away with great wealth. God knows what you will go through. God knows what you're going through. And also, God knows how to deliver you. Tell your name, my God can save me. No matter what is ahead of us, it's not greater than God that is with us. The song we like to sing in times of mourning and times of pain, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches over me. What it means that he watches over means that he's paying attention. That means he's watching every detail of my life. Jesus made it very clear that God knows the very numbers of the hair of your head. I don't know about you, but I don't count my hair. Didn't even have much to count right now. But when I did, I didn't care, but God cared enough. And, and, and I'm not talking to somebody here how when you know somebody cares about you, they give you the things that you didn't think about that you needed, but they were watching you, and they paid attention to notice that, hey, they need something. <laughs> Let me step in at the right time and help them out. Doesn't that sound like God? God is watching over the people of Israel. God has been observing his covenant he made with Abraham. This covenant has been passed down to Isaac, to Jacob, and his 12 sons, the children of Israel. That's what's leading in to this third chapter of Exodus. Can you look back with me a little bit further now in the second chapter, verses 23 to 25? 
says, years passed, and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God hearing their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Anybody glad that God knows how to act? He knows when to move. He knows when the time is right. Notice now, Moses is not in Egypt. Moses is not groaning and crying out to God. Look like Moses got it made. Moses ran away from his persecutors, those who wanted to get him because he killed an Egyptian. Moses couldn't go back home. But even that, it says that they've been there some 400 years under some hardship and some pain. And so one day, now Moses is sending his flock. So you see how this one day is different now. But we're looking back now that God has seen them go through a time of punishment and persecution. Moses' life was threatened even before he was born. But God found fit to save Moses. And Moses was raised by his own mom as a nursing mom in Pharaoh's house, raised as Pharaoh's son. So Moses was trained and developed to understand the ways of the Egyptians, but also he was trained and weaned to understand the ways of Israel. But now he's left both Egypt and Israel as now in the wilderness. But if you catch on what the theme I gave, now he's being trained in the wilderness. God knows how to prepare us for what we're going to face. He's in the wilderness now, used to being in the wilderness. It's not uncommon for a bush to catch fire under the heat. But yet there was something different about this bush catching fire. It said it was on fire, but it wasn't on fire. <laughs> it was burning, but it wasn't burning. It was not being consumed. It was a continuous flame. It was something marvelous to see. I got to go and check out this marvelous scene. And as I'm studying this text, I'm thinking about how could Moses lead the flock to go up into the mountain to see about this marvelous scene. And I'm probably thinking that Moses probably looked around like there's nothing else around out here. The, the flock must be safe, but I got to see what's going on on this marvelous thing. But also I was thinking about probably he had to get an elevated look too. And he could probably see that everything is going to be all right when he goes up high on this mountain. When we look at verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see. Here's another thing we learn about our God and who he is. Not only is he all-knowing, he knows what we're going to go through before we go through it. He knows how he's going to bring it through, whatever we're going to face. He knows that the victory is in his hand because he is always victorious. But also, God also is holy. Tell you never God is holy. We can't just walk up on God in the condition that we're in. I was at a few more witnesses here. We can't just approach God as we are. We got to go through some changes and some shifting and posturing of movement of humility to understand He is worthy to be praised. Knowing that God is holy had to be taught to Moses. Y'all join in with me, verse 4. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied, do not come any closer, the Lord warned, take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. Notice what's happening here that you are amazed about seeing this burning bush. You are in awe of seeing this burning bush. But now, as you start to get closer, God wants to protect you from yourself. <laughs> See, God loves us so much that he wants us to be in relationship with him. And we know that God wants us to be in right relationship with him. 
And to be in right relation with him is to be made righteous. And to be made righteous is to be holy. And we can be holy on our own. We need instructions from God. The instructions here shows us a, a, a peek into the ancient Near East that when people often go into places of higher ups, they will remove their shoes. Well, there's no more higher up. There's no more supreme authority than the great I am, God himself. And notice he says, you are standing on holy ground. Something shifted when he got closer to the presence of God. That it went from common ground to holy ground. And in order to initiate that change and initiation of submission, he says, Moses, you got to take your shoes off so you can come into my presence and stand in holy ground. To know that God is holy, to know that that's his nature, that is his being, that is his character, that is the quality of who he is. Knowing that God does everything good, he makes no mistakes. When we understand that God is holy, we understand that then if I'm going to follow God, I too must be holy. Leviticus 19 and 2 tells us that the Lord says, I am holy, you be holy. It reads this way, give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Jesus repeated the same concept when he said in Matthew 5, 48, but you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. What is calling us again is a constant growing and a maturation to be everything that God's called us to be. We can't do it by ourselves, but by the blood of the Lamb that washes white as snow. And by us calling on Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are called righteous with God and right relationship with him and notice again, I had to mention the blood because the blood represents the covenant. And the covenant was done by shedding of blood. And the covenant God made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is still true to this time with Moses, with the children of Israel in captivity. What I want to highlight here is that God is always faithful. If he did it before, he can do it again. God is looking at his people who are suffering and realizing that. They need to be redeemed, and I'm going to be the one to take care of it. The Lord is mighty to save. But in this process of our salvation and being changed and being made holy, realize that I can't just approach God any other way. My question for you to think about the founder is that how do I come to God? Do I come to God in reverence and in awe of him, seeking him and understanding him, or do I come to God as if he's supposed to do everything that I say? I, t I treat him sort of like a glass box you break in case of emergency. Um, I treat him like a vending machine. I only go to him when I need something. I, I treat him like a used car that is only good when there's nothing else will work. But we understand that God is, I am who I say I am, when he is everything that we need, that he is holy, he is worthy to be praised, and he knows all things. I think it's a little bit easier for me to come to a God that already knows everything. To say, Lord, what can I do? Jesus made it very clear when he taught us how to pray in Matthew 6, chapter. The Father already knows what you need, but go to him anyway in prayer. Here it is. We see that God is introducing himself to Moses out in the wilderness. Moses spent his time in Egypt. Now he's spending some time in the wilderness. When you look in Acts 7, chapter, Stephen's great message. He says that was the seasons of 40. 40 years he was raised in Egypt. 40 years he was in the wilderness with Jephro. And then if you don't know, it was 40 more years <laughs> with the children of Israel going in a circle because they couldn't get right with God. Mm. So here it is in this season of being completion. God is ready to use Moses for his glory. Verse 7, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen, y'all see that there? Seen the oppression of my people. Aren't you glad God's watching? Then, then not only just said, I see, but we have a God that hears. I heard their cries of distress because their harsh slave dropped. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. 
I want to point that out for us because oftentimes we act as if God is not real. But God can see, God can hear, God can feel, God can respond. God is, I am who I am. We serve a God that is already a God. We don't need to make any other. Be careful how we make other things gods that get before our God and how we get let down. Because they have no eyes to see, no ears to hear, no arms to help. But yet, look closely to the action given to our God that sees that he is and is able to help. And he's responding to their cries. Because what does the the Lord do? What does the Lord do? He saves. The Lord is knowing what he's going to provide for them because he already foreseen what was going to happen to them. God already knew that there would be 400 years of captivity, of, of, of oppression and slavery, and yet it took the time for him to raise up Moses to be the deliverer for his people. But Moses understood that he couldn't go back because he's running from his life. He's basically, y'all, if you understand, a wanted criminal. Even though Pharaoh has died, Moses still thinks that there's somebody out there still looking for him. God is letting Moses know that I'm going to send you back. Verse 10, for now go, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Oftentimes in our lives, we don't know who we are because we don't know who we belong to. Moses was chosen by God, and Moses had the attitude and the temerity and the audacity to argue with God. Who am I for you to send me (laughs) as if you know what you're doing? Y'all don't hear me? (laughs) He's talking to the God that knows all things, saying, who am I (laughs) to do what you ask me to do as if I can do this? What I want to encourage you to know that if God has asked you to do something, he's already worked it out on your behalf. The problem is that do you have the obedience and humility and the attitude and the faith to walk out what God has already put out for you? The Lord, knowing what he was going to do, was going to provide because he is able to say God is responding to the cries of his people, understanding that just as a mother, I want to be everything for my children. When they're in pain, when they're in suffering, I'm going to be there. I'm going to respond. You, you know how a mother could tell a certain child's cry? Right, there's a play cry. I ain't, I ain't running for that. But there's a certain cry. I'm running. Because <laughs> my baby needs me. It sounds like they're in pain. They're in suffering. Here it is. God says, now's the time for me that Moses, I'm sending you back to be my messenger, to let my people go. But Moses now, not understanding as how Isaiah 59 says, that the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. God is showing to Moses that he's mighty to say. We're going to continue on and I'll take looking at verses 13 to 15. But Moses protested, if you, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. What I want to highlight here is I come to this conclusion of knowing God to be that great I am. God let him know that this is my name. Why did Moses need to know his name? You can't just go around and tell the people stuff when they don't know the authority behind the person. When you get the name of the person, you want to find out the title comes with the name. So you say in the name of the king, somebody is respond differently when they hear the name of the king. 
But when you say in the name of this person that has no title, they're like, that means nothing to me. Moses, understand that I am a nobody. So what authority and what power can I have to come and tell them that they must listen what I am saying? God, tell them, tell them I am who I am. Tell the people I am has sent you. And then he went out, if you don't know who I am, let me do a roll call. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Y'all know them. If y'all know them, then you know me. Did y'all see what I just did there? I said, if you know the Father. Oh, y'all don't see what I'm going here. If you know the Father. <laughs> come on, come on. So he named the fathers and the sons. If you've seen the sons, you've seen the fathers. And the fathers served me. I wish I had a few more witnesses here. They're saying that if you know the great I am. Let me help you out. In Revelation, when John was a revelator, getting his arm, he says, tell him I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is who was, who is to come. Now, let me help you out. The New Testament is written in Greek. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew, but it wasn't Hebrew. He basically says, I am who I am. He's letting them know that I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. But Jesus says that if you believe in me, if you believe in me, you shall be saved. Then he also says, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. Notice again the transition here. Moses let them know that their daddies are my children. And my children had a covenant with me. And the covenant I had is a covenant that they won't be in bondage all their lives. But I got a promise that they'll go into a land milk of honey, flowing and producing and vibrant for their lives. But he says that this is my eternal name. Why is it an eternal name? Why won't this name ever lose its power? Why does this name always have authority? Well, Jesus made it very clear that in my name, anything you ask of my Father, he shall give to you. Say, what? In my name, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is there anything too hard for God? So when you look at knowing God as I am, that means he is everything that you need. What is it that you need in your life? Have you turned it over to God? Have you let God step and move in your life? Don't question God what he can't do, but just say, God, do what you can do. And you're going to find out that God has already worked it out. You just need to walk it out. Moses was arguing with God, and God already had the plan mapped out. When you continue on reading, he said, this is what's going to happen. He let him know before he went through, this is what's going to happen. I wish I had a few more witnesses here that can understand that you're not going to go through anything that God can't bring you through. I am who I am is the covenant name of God. It's showing that he is forever faithful. I, I Notice what he points out here, again, to highlight the succession here. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Well, he's pointing out to them that I was their God in the past, and I'm your God now, and I'll be your God in the future. Y'all see that there in the text? God is always present. He's not past. He's not future. He is present, because all we got is this day. And, and how time works, you are already not the same person that you were when you walked in this place, because time changed. <laughs> we, we can't go back. You can look back, but you can't go back. But here's one beautiful thing, that God was back there, and he's right here. And you take one more step in the future, he'll be right there, because God is. Oh, I, I was a few more witnesses. Your clock, your time changed. Everything changed, but God does not change by time. You age, but he's ageless. <laughs> you got limits, but he's limitless. He is eternal. He is infinite. He is everything that we need. So why are you trusting on stuff that's got a due date? Trusting on stuff that's got an expiration? 
trusting in stuff that need to be returned and updated every year. But you've got a God that's always brand new. He's always on time, never late, souls up and souls out whenever he souls up because he's just that kind of God where you know that God is everything that I need. Why am I trying anything else? Why am I leaning on anything else? But on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all everything else is sinking sand. I'm so glad that God is everything that I need. He's a mother to the mother. He's a father to the father. He is my shelter. He is my rock. He is my sword and shield. I'm so glad that God is everything that I need. Today, now, send me a little bless you real good, but on your way home, you ought to tell somebody, I know for myself, God is everything that I need. He is holy. He is worthy to be praised from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. Good God from time. And know this, he's coming back again. So don't get caught up looking back and thinking what could be. But look ahead and think about what will be. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be forever hello and never goodbye. And if you don't know this great I am, if you have not confessed to believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, today I want to encourage you that we got to do is just God said, you believe in the Son, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The whosoever believes in shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans talks about how you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead with all power and authority. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We want to pray that prayer with you today. You want to call on Jesus. You want to call on I Am. You want to call on the Alpha and the Omega. Let us pray. Mighty God, we just thank you that you are mighty to save, that you are a present help in the time of trouble, that you stick closer than any brother. Father, we thank you for you forgive us, Lord, of all our sins. Let, Lord, nothing can separate us from your love. And so, Father, we confess to you right now that you are God, and you are Lord of our lives. And, Lord, there might be someone here, this is the first time confession that, Lord, I pray that they do believe. Jesus died on the cross for their sins and he defeated the grave by rising on the third day. And he has all power and he is exalted, seated at the right hand of you, Lord, in majesty. And Lord, they might be looking for a church home. Uh, Father, we pray that you will guide them and direct them to Bible believing, Bible preaching church, uh, that they can grow and be discipled and celebrate communion and the, and the, and the obedience of baptism. And so, Father, we pray that Zion is that place. Uh, we welcome them here in this space, Lord, and they might be online looking, but we pray that you help guide them and direct them to that place where they can be fed and led. In Jesus Christ's name, Lord, we pray. Amen. As we continue on the worship of our awesome God on today, we pray to give God his tithes and our offering. We feel to give back to God what already belongs to him. We ask those who have desired to give but yet have not. It's all right. May God bless you and increase you right where you are. Uh, those who are able to give, let us pray as we pray to give God back what already belongs to him. Join me in prayer. Mighty God, we just thank you for blessing us and increasing us and prospering us as only you can. And Father, Lord, we realize that all that we have already belongs to you. And so, Father, this token, this love offering, this gift we give back to you, God, we ask to multiply, bless and increase it for the work of your kingdom, the work of your ministry, that we can feed the hungry, that we can clothe the naked, and we can minister to the lost. Our Father, move in this place. And then, Father, we ask to bless those that desire to give and yet have not. We thank you, Lord, that you supply all our needs. In Jesus Christ, and Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Follow the instructions of the ushers. As this is our second Sunday, there is no United Usher Board meeting today, but they will, uh, you can welcome to give your offer for United Usher Board uh, as well. Amen.
they have the, the all the tools they need to be successful. So Essie has an envelope, and in the envelope, well, she's a container. And in the container are other items that Camilla's going to need. So if you'd like to bring Camilla something that she'll take to the college, please take something out of the container so that you can bring it in for her. Now on the fourth of June, this when all report cards have to be turned in. Because we will let, let go of the students. But on the 18th is when we have a graduation ceremony. So it will be a time for us to lift all of them up for the type of things they're doing and the transitions they're making. And Zion is such a loving church. I grew up in Zion. It was because of Zion and Mrs. Glover <laughs> who stayed on me that I really kept my eyes on the cross. So those are the people who really make a difference for us. And all of us can make a difference for the youth within the Zion. Please help us. Thank you. Yeah, on, on your way, yeah, amen. Yes, sister, uh, see Sister Essie, and we got, um, thanks to the glory and Sister Essie, the coordinate too. We got Mother's Day gifts for the mothers, amen, uh, on their way out, yeah, amen. And we'll ask you to lift up the uh, Sister Lee and the family, amen. It says, we all uh, pray for her. The sister of her children who passed away last week in Nashville, Tyler, Boston. So we keep them in prayer, lifted up. Amen. Amen. And also, we're looking to have our full team leadership meeting uh, this Tuesday uh, at 6 p.m. at Zion. So we continue to have our business meeting on that this Tuesday. So we look forward to seeing the deacons, us to try deacons and the trustees and the ministers this uh, Tuesday at 6 p.m. here at Zion. Amen. 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 Well, let's. Stand and prepare for our doxology and concluding. We have Sunday school concluding after that. And make sure you get your Mother's Day gift. And those who want to help us support Sister Kamala, be able to draw her item out of the budget. Amen. Amen. Keep us till we all meet again. All right.